are listening to Mary Conley, The Cause Coach, giving rise to action, creating fitness of mind and body, making the world better through running. Hello, and welcome back to The Cause Coach podcast, where we meet at the intersection of running and fundraising. I am your host, Mary Connolly, and today we're talking fundraising. Uh, at the end of January, I introduced my eight steps to charity running success, and we covered the first three steps. So today I'm going to share steps four and five. Um, as I explained last month, I'm not giving you the entire plan at once. Uh, not only do I not want you getting overwhelmed, I don't want you jumping ahead <laughs> or being tempted to do the steps out of order um, or especially skipping steps. Um, I'm approaching this in much the same way I would approach your running training plan if I was working with you as a running coach. Uh, one step at a time. Just like if this week uh, your long run is five miles, I'd want you doing that and not worrying about the double digit runs to come. So uh, my fundraising plan is also designed to make you a successful fundraiser and to avoid procrastinating. So I'm giving you the steps that you need to do now. Um, you know, no shortcuts, stick to the timeline. Okay. All right. Good. Um, oh, and just for clarification, uh, this timeline uh, is for those of you running fall marathons. Uh, most of my uh, listeners and clients are charity runners or organization um, uh, organizations with runners in the Chicago uh, or, and maybe and, New York City marathons. Uh, if you're running a spring marathon as a charity runner and still have a substantial uh, way toward your fundraising goal, um, you're welcome to go uh, find my blog, uh, go to thecausecoach.net and do, uh, do a search for fundraising tips. And you should find uh, a couple of posts uh, that outline many of these techniques. Um, I will caution you, however, I, I have never, fully organize the plan uh, in the way that I am presenting it here. So if you want help, reach out, um, you know, see the coaching page on my website. Uh, there you can order a month's worth of coaching. Uh, you'll get eight steps, these eight steps uh, in a written form, um, uh, a customized timeline that will take uh, your deadline and start date into an account. Into account. Um, you'll get a, uh, a spreadsheet template for tracking purposes. You'll have unlimited email support and a 30 minute coaching call uh, each month. So I only charge $65 for that. And you can choose as many months as you like. So um, something, something to consider. All right, let's proceed. Um, if you haven't listened to season one, episode four of the podcast, which is part one of the eight steps, um, hit pause here uh, on this episode and go back, listen to that first, and then rejoin us. For the rest of you, uh, let's start by briefly recapping what we've already covered. Um, there are two like pre-steps, um, which are especially important 
for those of you who are new to charity running and still deciding on which charity to run for. Uh, the first uh, pre-step is to understand the commitment. Um, know what the charity expects of you. Um, you know, what happens if you don't make your fundraising minimum? Um, what happens if for some reason you don't get to the start line? Um, most major marathons do not offer deferrals to charity runners the same way they do for others. Um, and most charities will hold you uh, accountable for your minimum fundraising commitment, regardless of whether or not um, you actually complete the race. So, you know, understand the commitment um, that uh, you're giving to your charity. Um, and the second is to choose a charity that you can be passionate about. You know, why is the organization and their mission meaningful to you? What is the story that you're prepared to tell others about why you're running? And will that story be compelling to others? Um, you know, would you be able to continue to fundraise for this organization if for some reason um, you're unable to participate uh, in the race? Um, and, uh, you know, status check on Chicago. Um, for those of you still deciding, um, there are already a significant number of the 180 charities who have um, already closed registrations, meaning that they no longer have spots. Um, a bunch more are gonna have a deadline of Monday and more will close by the end of March. Um, and, it, and then there's another you know, deadline um, for them in, in May and a couple of others after that. But if, you know, training starts in June. Um, if you wait until June when training starts, your options uh, of charities are going to be very, very limited. So as I said last month, don't delay in choosing your charity. Uh, if you do so now, you'll have more options and you can choose one that aligns with your values. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that you can't start fundraising <laughs> until you choose a charity. And my goal for you is to start now um, and to you know, be on target to reach your fundraising minimum uh, before formal marathon training starts. So that's the first week in June. Um, I know from experience, um, Getting to the minimum before you have the added pressure of training uh, feels really great. <laughs> and then, you know, everything you raise after that is just icing on the cake. But I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So continue our recap. Now to the, the start of the, those were the pre-steps. So the step one of the eight steps is get to know the organization. Before announcing your fundraiser, learn everything you can about the organization, visit the website, talk to your team coordinator or another representative, um, ask for an opportunity to tour the facility or to you know, see the program in action in some way. Um, also consider volunteering. There is no better way to understand an organization's work than to view it from the inside. Step two is develop your ask. Um, this is also known as a case for giving. Um, this is your why. If you are part of a formal charity team, they will give you something that talks about what they do and their impact on the population they serve. Uh, this should only be your starting point. Um, it would only address what they do, um, not why it's important to you. Um, you know, you need to tell your story and you need to make it personal um, in order to have that compelling uh, ask. 
step three is to create a list of prospective donors. Um, you know, this list is essentially everyone you know. You know, uh, you're going to create this list in um, a spreadsheet so that you can track how and when you ask, um, and you know all the responses that you get. Um, in this step, you're you're just making the list. You're not asking anyone. Um, you're not uh, evaluating their potential to give. We're going to get into that today. Um, so that that's briefly the the first three steps. Uh, you know, again, if you need more cl clarification on those, go back uh, and listen to part one, uh, which is the uh, fourth episode of season one of the podcast. Uh, and, you know, just, and, and if you're just, you know, if you're joining us today and you haven't done those first uh, three steps, don't panic. Um, you can tighten up the timeline a little bit. Um, so today we're going to expo uh, explore the next two steps uh, in detail. Um, one step is very involved and the other one, uh, not so much. <laughs> so step four um, is, is plan your ask. This is the, the most important step uh, and why I'm giving you an entire month to work on it. Um, and just so you know, like I said, step five, um, well, that'll take you about 10 minutes. Um, so again, you're going to have the, the entire month to work on step four. Step four is the who, what, when, and how. Um, in, you know, in many charity teams materials, this step uh, is often something along the lines of set up your fundraising page and share it with everyone you know. Um, and, and that is kind of the gist of it, uh, but we're going to go into a little more detail um, and we're going to be uh, much more strategic about it uh, so that we make the best use of our time and effort. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm basically showing you how to apply proven techniques that are used by professional fundraisers. So um, the part about setting up your fundraising page is really part of, uh, of step two. Uh, when we developed our ask, I don't, um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't send anything, um, uh, to anyone in step two, you know, we, 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 um, we just develop the ask, um, and kind of the materials around that. So setting up your fundraising page is part of that. Um, so if I neglected to mention that last month, um, creating your message also involves setting up your fundraising page. That is making it personal, adding photos, um, and so forth. Okay, so let's move on to talk about uh, what we do with the list that we created in step three. Again, that should be in a spreadsheet. Uh, where we can uh, add additional columns. Um, so far, you should have a name uh, and some contact information. Um, contact information can consist of, you know, a cell phone number, email address, or, or even just, you know, the words Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, if if one or more of those are, you know, the only way you know to get in touch with someone, you're now going to create four additional columns. Um, and, and honestly, you're going to want to write this down um, or come back to it if you're listening uh, to this while you're driving or running or something. Um, it's kind of, in, it kind of evolved. So, um, so uh, 
so so we're going to make four columns. Um, the first is rating. Um, I'll get into what that is in a minute. The second is target gift. The third is type. And the fourth is timing. Um, I know a lot of T's there, right? Um, now we're going to review the list of names uh, that we created in step three. And we're gonna give each person a number in the ratings column. Now let's not get too complicated. I think one through five uh, is fine. Um, so let's make one the highest and five the lowest. The rating is going to be based on uh, the criteria that professional fundraisers typically use in qualifying major donor prospects. And that's affinity, propensity, and capacity. Um, affinity is, you know, what's their link to the organization and or the organization's mission? Propensity is, you know, what's their overall philanthropic history? Do they typically give to charity? And, and finally, capacity, do they have the means to make a gift? And given their history, what's an appropriate ask? So um, you're gonna be applying a similar method to help you determine who, how, when, and what you're going to ask for. Um, so in the ratings column, you're now going to, you know, just roughly rate each prospect on what you know about them. Um, you know, do they have an obvious connection to the organization? Maybe they are someone who would care for the same reasons that you chose the charity for your marathon fundraiser. Um, second, would they be inclined to give? Um, are they someone who typically gives to charity? Um, you know, or are they somebody who, who might be motivated to give simply because they want to support you? Um, and finally, do they have the capacity to give? Um, since this isn't a major gifts fundraising campaign, we'll, um, and you know, we're gladly going to accept the $5 donation, you know, pretty much everyone uh, should get a yes here. Um, but go ahead and put in an, am an amount in the next column, which is your target gift column. And, and be generous. Uh, assume people are going to give a little bit more than maybe your initial um, uh, thought is. So, so now you should have a, a number in the ratings column, one through five, depending on, you know, how good of a prospect you think that they are um, based on that criteria I mentioned. Um, and then you're going to have an amount in the target gift column. Now moving on to type, um, the type column. Um, we're going to be assigning our prospects into one of three groups based on the rating that you gave them in the ratings column and a little bit um, as a result of the target gift column. So you'll want to assign um, each of your, uh, your prospects to one of three types of asks. Um, the first is uh, the people most likely to give $100 or more who you are very comfortable speaking with about what you're doing. Um, this becomes your personal ask list. Um, you know, you can name these, you know, whatever you want, um, or, or, you know, just keep it simple. I'd use like maybe personal ask. 
Um, these are the first people that you're going to ask and that you're going to reach out to in person by phone. Um, in the timing column, um, assuming uh, you're following along with my timeline for a fall marathon, uh, put April. And, you know, again, don't worry about the ask right now. Um, I'm going to go over that in March uh, uh, when we do this, uh, when I do the part three of this. Um, uh, and, and that way you'll be all set to begin in April. But you don't have to worry about that right now. We're just working on all the mechanics of getting you set up right. Right now, we're just like setting up the list, uh, you know, so that you're, you're all, all ready to go. All right, let's move on. The second type is uh, people less likely to make larger gifts um, and who would be likely to respond to an email from you. So, you know, assuming that you have their email address, um, although, you know, do try whenever possible to get people's email addresses, because one way or another, you're going to, uh, you're going to want it later on for acknowledging gifts and providing updates, um, which we'll discuss next month. Um, but you can call this type um, email uh, or something like that. Um, so you can go through the list there and, and, and put all your email people in there. Um, the timing for this column, um, it, it, assuming that you're working on my timeline again uh, for a fall marathon, um, put in May. Now, the last type is everyone else. Um, you can call this social media. Um, these are the people most likely to give through a social media post um, who you may not feel as comfortable speaking with one-on-one uh, -on -one about your fundraising effort. This is the group that you ask last, just before your, your formal marathon training begins. So for most of you, uh, that's probably early June. So put early June in there. And now you'll have, you'll, you're, you'll, you're setting everything up so that you can at times sort uh, by the columns um, and, you know, uh, segregate your list that way. Um, so it's going to take you a while to add all that data. Um, but as I said, this is the most important step um, uh, because it's, it's really going to, you know, set you up for a real strategic and organized way to ask for money. Um, you know, in, in, in invest the time this month um, and you'll be very well prepared when we get to the final three steps, which we're going to begin in April. Um, basically, uh, you're going to be asking your, your best prospects first um, and as close to in-person as possible. And these are people like your parents, your sibling, your rich uncle, your best friend, maybe your boss, um, maybe the owner of a restaurant that you go to every Friday night. Um, the idea is that these people are more likely to give and to make larger donations. So by asking them first, you'll already have, um, you know, you'll already be halfway uh, to your goal before you start asking anyone else. Um, we hold off on the social media posts until the last third of your fundraising because those are mostly likely to be smaller gifts. And they're going to be the type of people that need to know that, you know, you're already fairly well on your way um, before they're willing to um, decide on how much they're going to give. So um, we're going to cover all of that in more detail um, in March. So, so let's move on uh, to step five, um, which is... Uh, 
perhaps the simplest and quickest step uh, to do, um, and that is to donate. Yes, donate to your own fundraiser. Um, and you really need to do this now um, before you ask anyone else. And I know what you're saying. Um, I've already invested a whole bunch of time planning out my fundraiser. I'm following these steps. I'm going to be spending hours upon hours each week training. Isn't that enough? Um, or even maybe more than enough. Um, well, no, <laughs> it's not. You, you need to show your prospective donors um, that you have some skin in the game, um, you know, and, and essentially have done what you're asking them to do. You know, plus a lot of people feel uncomfortable donating, uh, you know, when no one else has given yet. Um, so take care of that and you be the first. The, um, the amount of your gift, um, you know, should be personally meaningful, of course, but remember, it will also set the tone for what others give. So if you donate $25, and if that's, you know, all you can afford at this time, fine. Um, just remember that you are then more likely to get more $25 donations. My recommendation, if you, um, you know, if it's not a hardship for you, um, is $100. Um, this will show your prospective donors that you're truly committed, um, that you believe in the cause enough to support it with your own money, and it will help raise the expectation of what you'd like others to give. If you can give more, by all means, do so. Again, I think it'll um, help you overall because it does set the tone for you know others. A lot of people you know approach these donations and don't really have. Uh, an idea of what's expected of them. So um, by kind of setting the bar, um, you, you help in that regard. You know, when you're making your, your personal gift to your own fundraiser, um, something to consider is all the free perks that you're getting from your charity or, you know, all the things that are included as, as a charity runner. So, you know, maybe they covered your race registration fee. Um, for Chicago, that's a $230 value. Um, you know, some charities that don't cover the registration upfront may reimburse you when you reach a certain fundraising milestone. So essentially you'll be getting your $100 back. They may also be uh, paying for a training program. Um, I know that the in-person group training programs offered by charity, uh, um, you know, the, the charities offer to their runners through the Chicago Area Runners Association and Chicago Endurance Sports and, and others are around $200. Um, and, and, you know, I guess virtual programs around $100. So again, even if the charity is not paying for your training upfront, um, many, you know, will reimburse you or, or credit your fundraising um, when you reach certain milestones. Um, and, and of course, there's, there's other, other perks as well. So um, it, it's kind of money that you're going to be spending one way or another. Um, so hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better about making that, that cash contribution. Um, uh, so before you tune in uh, to part three uh, at the end of March, uh, make that donation to your own fundraiser, okay? And try to work through, if you uh, haven't gotten through the first three steps yet, you know, try to work through all of the first uh, five steps um, 
by the time we we meet again at the end of March. Um, step four can you know can definitely take some time. Um, so I'm I'm leaving you with these two to work on um, for the next four to five weeks. Uh, we will discuss the final three steps on March 31st. Um, there, um, you know. You know, these these first five steps, which I've already gone over, are all the preparation steps. You know, what's that say? Lack of planning leads to piss poor performance. <laughs> well, it's just like you need to actually train to complete the marathon. These steps are extremely important in making sure you're ready to begin your fundraising. The, the final three steps are uh, the doing. Um, you know, kind of like running the actual race. Um, and they are meant to be repeated until, uh, until you've, you know, reached the finish line, figuratively and literally. Uh, we will talk about them here on the Cause Coach podcast, as I said, on March 31st. And if you've done, you know, steps one through five, um, you will really be ready to begin those last three steps on April 1st, which means those of you running Chicago will have a solid nine weeks of fundraising under your belt uh, before training starts. Um, New York City runners, 13 weeks. Uh, so, you know, don't neglect your preparation work this month. Steps one through five should be completed by the end of March. Um, um, you, you know, really trying to set you up for, for success. Um, if you follow along on my timeline. And like I said, if you haven't done steps one through three yet, no need to panic. You just, you just have to tighten the timeline, but there, you know, you have five weeks until we talk again until about the 1st of April. So, um, you know, and that's when you really start the doing part on this. Um, so, uh, again, if you, if you need help, reach out. Um, you know, all the materials that you need, unlimited email support, uh, one-on-one uh, one -on -one coaching call is priced at only $65 right now. That's a small price uh, to pay uh, compared to your credit card being charged for your fundraising balance um, uh, if you don't make your goal. Um, and by following my program, you're likely to get your charity a lot more donations. Um, so it's something worth considering. So... So thanks for listening again. Uh, please keep uh, tuning in. I have some fabulous guests scheduled over the next few weeks, uh, charity team coordinators, charity runners, and a very, very special St. Patrick's Day guest. Uh, you can find The Cause Coach on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you want to run with us, uh, either in person or virtually, the Cause Crew groups can be found on Facebook and Strava. Um, and until next week, happy fundraising and running.